Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my up- Upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the Colgrave Seabrook Foundation podcast in association with Hawk Week, the industry's leading trade title. This podcast is brought to you with the help of our sponsor, More People, the market leaders for professional recruitment across the UK and internationally. They specialise in horticulture, fresh produce, food, agriculture and garden and leisure sectors. For more information, please visit morepeople.co.uk. It's like a different world. You'd open the garden gate, you know, this big, old, lovely Art Deco 1900s gate. And as soon as you swung it open, it was like entering a different world, a different dimension. I'm Neville Stein, one of the trustees of the Colgrave Seabrook Foundation. We know it's quite hard to find good information about horticultural careers, which is why we made this podcast. My guest on this episode of the podcast is Scott Smith who will be familiar to millions of viewers through his work as head gardener and presenter of BBC Scotland's Beech Grove Garden. Horticulture has a well-established relationship with broadcasting, so let's find out what it's like to take your gardening from the garden to the studio. So I'm rather excited about my guest this week, because this is the first time I've had a bit of a media star on the Cultivate Your Future podcast. My guest today is Scott Smith. He's the head gardener Beach Grove Gardens, which is up in Aberdeen in Scotland. And if you're a bit of a fan of watching gardening programmes, you'll have seen him as a presenter occasionally on the programme. Scott, welcome along. Hello, fantastic to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Neville. Delighted. And so you are a bit of a media star, is that right? You've got, what, 1.5 million viewers watching the Beach Grove Garden programme? Yeah, that's, that's about the average viewership over the course of a week. So we do have... Um, Thursday nights we're on BBC Scotland and then Friday nights on BBC Two followed by a repeat on Sunday mornings on BBC Two also. The question is, do you get stopped in the street now? Not yet. I don't think I've been at it long enough. I only started at the end of January this year. So, so far I've, I've been recognised twice and that's about it. And it's it's mostly senior ladies who stop me in the chemist and go, oh, I think I recognise you. 
<laughs> so the the obvious progression after this is strictly come dancing or I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. I think I'd rather eat bugs than dance, for sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so rather rather than talk about your potential sort of media star career, should we talk about your uh, career at Otacocci? You are the head gardener at Beach Grove as well as doing some presenting on the TV program there. How long have you been doing that for? So I just began at the end of January there. The previous head gardener, Mary, who I knew well, you know, up here in the northeast of Scotland, it's a small cluster of us gardeners, so we all one, know one another and all our, our, our own businesses and so on. Um, <clears throat> so Mary actually left to be a nurse, so a complete career change. And then, of course, that left the slot open for Beach Grove. So I jumped at the opportunity and saw off quite stiff competition. I was told there was people applying from Qatar and, and New Zealand and Singapore and all sorts of things, but um, I got the gig, so happy days. <laughs> what were you doing directly before you got the job at Beach Road? Just before that, I was the head gardener for the National Trust for Scotland at Pibbeden Garden and Haddo House. So I was running two sites at once, um, very, very busy job. I did that for about four and a half years. And we had, a, oh, I had a roster of about 30 odd staff and volunteers and running multiple budgets and, you know, at, at very prestigious sites that was high maintenance and high expectations from visitors. So it was, it was a lot of work. And thinking about your job now at Beach Grove, which is a much smaller girl, talk us through a typical day, really. Of, of what your job involves. So day-to-day -day changes, fundamentally what's quite different about this job and what I really enjoy is you have to somewhat think about the garden as a green studio because that's what it is. We're making a television programme. So it has multiple areas, multiple rooms, and really my job as head gardener is to liaise with the production team and the presenters and find out what we're actually going to be doing in the coming weeks. So it's all written down in a central database. We've got a big planner. It's up to me to go look at that planner and say, right, in the next two to three weeks, we're going to be filming X, Y, Z. So then it's up to me to facilitate everything we need for that and to make sure those areas look nice and camera friendly because, you know, you don't want to be in an area that's full of weeds and mess. And I have to think about all the daft things, like it wastes a lot of crew time if you're standing filling trays on the set whilst there should be filming and that kind of thing so it's it's even things like if we're doing direct sewing of a bed i'll have it all measured out i'll have the labels i'll have the packets of seed and because it's the bbc we can't show the brand so they the seeds put in trays with labels so you know what they are and it's as simple as i can be to get things to flow because roughly they say one hour of filming is about one minute of television so it takes quite a lot of time. So I try and maximise as much as I possibly can, having everything pre-organised so the presenters can rock up when they're good to go and do their piece. I feel sometimes like a little bit of a runner. I kind of make sure everything's tidied up and organised and, you know, they might be about to start a, a set piece and I'll have to go get them a tool or the grass is wet, get them a kneeler or, <laughs> you know, all these little things that you maybe don't really think about. So in addition to your horticultural job, which strikes me from what you just said, that one of the key skills is that ability to plan or organise. Would that be about right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's crucial to have it all planned, all set out, all organised. And of course, that plays into your horticultural knowledge because you'll have to know what to do and what the presenters are expecting. 
of you. So, for example, every Tuesday we film, and it's a good full day. We're eight till six, roughly, filming. We've been doing dried flower trials, so, you know, I had to pre select all the dried flowers and they're all hung up and then I've got separate bunches in posies and then I've got separate bunches with the labels and then we're doing windowsill tomatoes so I've been picking them all over and you leave some of the plants so it looks nice and pretty for TV but also we've got some set aside for tasting and then I've also got a little crib sheet to, to say what we've picked so far this year, what's the weights, what's you know, it's just all the information possible to hand so that we can relay that to the viewers if you like that sounds very different from your job with the national trust talk us through that time when you first got into horticulture when when was that what age were you i left school went straight to university didn't have a clue about what to do and i went into cybersecurity. so i did a, a course called ethical hacking and countermeasures at the university of Aberdeen. very very different start i completed first year got into second year and went, you know, actually this just isn't for me. You know, I don't like it. It's sitting in very dark rooms with fat, sweaty, geeky guys in trench coats and ponytails and it just wasn't my scene. I wanted to be outside. Um, I'd never considered horticulture as a career because I feel fundamentally at school it is not pushed as a subject at all. You know, you never hear anything about it. The, the very most you possibly hear is if you're a bit of a failure, you could maybe go to college and do greenkeeping. You know, it's seen as a bit of a dirty trade um, for the unacademic. And my school certainly pushed us all to go to university because they were keen on getting us up at academic league tables. So I, I don't feel trades were, were represented well at the school I attended. But anyway, I went to university, didn't like the course. And once I left, I thought, what am I going to do myself now? Because that's me, had all my funding. I've had my two years of free funding from the Scottish government. I have to go pay for myself. Now, if I change course, I have to find the fees. And you're talking tens of thousands of pounds that I didn't have. So I just went to the job centre, thought I'll just take the very first job I can get, start saving up and try to go back to uni. But it just happened to be seasonal gardener with the National Trust for Scotland down in Fife at a place called Kelly Castle. So when I first showed up, I knew nothing at all about gardening. I wasn't a keen gardener. I had no interest in gardening. It was a job to get money. About a month in, I fell in love with it totally because my boss, who's still probably my horticultural hero to this day, Mark Armour, he's still head gardener there now after 25 years, I think. But he just made the whole thing so fun, so interesting, really opened my eyes to seeing horticulture as a career path and not just a job. You know, so vast and there's so much knowledge. And, you know, I felt like a kid at Hogwarts who used to walk into that big castle grounds every day and everything looked fantastic and used to have such a laugh with the team. And it just made me think, yeah, I want to do this. And uh, he was he was really kind. After my contract ran out, he, he, he pushed hard and he helped me get an apprenticeship which just happened to be still with the National Trust up at Pitmedden Garden. So, you know, I went from a seasonal who was just doing it for a paycheck into someone that fell in love with it. And then, thankfully, I managed to get an apprenticeship. And then that was me. I was stuck in the world of horticulture, quite happy, and just progressed my career through that, really. Oh, that sounds really cool. You said you fell in love with it. What were those? What was that moment when you thought that, wow, this is a great career? You know, well, this is a wonderful thing to do. What What were those things that really excited you about it? Like I say, it was. I came to work in the morning, and just as soon as you got out of your car, you were 
it's like a different world. You'd open the garden gate, you know, this big, old, lovely Art Deco 1900s gate. And as soon as you swung it open, it was like entering in a different world, a different dimension. You know, it was just so much flowers and fruit and veg everywhere and this big, beautiful castle and just lots of happy people, happy with what they were doing. And my boss said, it's not always about the paycheck. And I get that. Because I don't know many rich gardeners, that's for sure, but you certainly see a lot of happy, contented people. I decided at that point, you know, I was originally doing my uni course for cybersecurity, and a lot of those guys have, I'm still in touch with them, and they do have six-figure salaries working in London, earning a fortune, but I thought, would I rather be doing that or doing what I'm doing now and enjoying myself? And I'd definitely rather be doing this, so. You know, you make a really interesting point. There's a lot of money to be made in the IT world, isn't there? But, you know, you've got all those other additional benefits that are difficult to put a cost to or a value to in horticulture. I think actually, you know, to encourage you, six-figure sums can be made in horticulture. So, you know, hang in there. They are possible. Whilst perhaps the sector isn't as well paid as the IT sector, there are people that can earn six-figure sums. You just probably need to hang in there and find that stick figure some job you might not want that, but there you go. So thinking about your current job then, uh, thank you for what you've just told there about your, your history and how you got into agriculture. Really interesting. But let's focus on your current job now. What is it that you most like about the current job? One thing that's always been very enjoyable to me about horticulture is that it is so varied. I find that I tend to get bored doing the same thing over and over. And the great thing with horticulture, especially when you're working in somewhere like Britain, is you've got four seasons and it's very variable throughout the year of what you do. You know, you do different jobs in winter to spring to summer to autumn. And not only that, but at Beach Grove, where I'm at at the moment, it's very variable because different presenters have different ideas and they have different things that they want to do. And that changes year upon year as well. So, for example, when I was at Pitmed and Haddo, it was very much a big annual cycle. Okay, it changed from season to season, but it would be the same thing year to year because you were keeping a historic property to certain standards and not a lot changed. So after two to three seasons there, you kind of really got into the cycle and it was just rinse and repeat. Whereas Beach Grove, because it's a TV program that changes year upon year, it's always going to be varying. So that's one aspect I quite like about it. I like that I'm involved in quite a different amount of work, really, because I'm head gardener, so I have to do the hands-on gardening, but I also get to do some presenting, which is great fun. It's a very different skill set and a very different side of things, you know, having to explain on camera, even just being in front of a camera takes a bit of getting used to. And especially if you're having to remember lines and you're having to remember to give different lines to different cameras and all that kind of thing, uh, as well as doing your pieces. So, you know, just the other day I did I did T-budding live on camera, um, which was nerve-wracking because I only had one rootstock and I thought, if I accidentally slice through this, I'm, <laughs> I'm knackered. <laughs> I had to do it properly on camera, no backup. Just for those people that are listening, T-budding is a form of propagation, isn't it? which involves sharp knives. Um, and, and were you tea-budding on roses? Yes, it was tea-budding roses, so I took some bud sticks off the roses I wished to propagate, and then I had a dog rose, a rosa canina for my rootstock. So I only had one rosa canina, so if I mucked that up, 
I wouldn't have had anything to film and then I would have to go find something else very quickly to go and film a five minute segment on so I thought right I better do this properly and I better do it right and as you say very sharp lives so if you were confident and careful you could have injured yourself or looked a bit foolish <laughs> <laughs> well let's hope that went all right it looks like you've got all your fingers still intact there so look if you were to wave a magic wand about your career and let's project you know forward 20 years how do you envisage it playing out you know what do you think 20 years looks like for you in horticulture it's a very good question i'm not entirely sure i'm doing the rhs master of horticulture course at the moment part of that is future planning for myself because I always had quite a strong work experience through my CV. You know, I was a seasonal, then an apprentice, then a full-time gardener and yada, yada, yada. It wasn't really until 2016 that I started the RHS Level 3 Diploma because I thought, do I still want to be doing very hard physical graft when I'm 60? Not really. So I thought I would like to improve the academic side and my general knowledge. That's why I went to the RHS did my level three diploma, always hoped perhaps one day I'd be good enough to do the Master of Horticulture. Once I finished the level three diploma, that was me. I applied and, you know, very gratefully I got in. So currently working through my Master of Horticulture again with a view to potentially finish then that and there's always perhaps scope thereafter to do something else, maybe further academic work. I'm not sure, but Generally, I suppose I'm still finding my niche at the minute. I'm very much a generalist, you know, a bit of a jack of all trades, but maybe looking to specialize in one particular thing. That concept of having a solid technical background and understanding horticulture and then underpinning that or overlaying it, if you like, whatever phrase we might use with uh, that academic qualification, I think it's quite a powerful combination. So I think, you know, those two together should sort of rock your career. So I'm really looking forward to monitoring your progress on LinkedIn to see that you've used that academic success knowledge to take your career to the next level. One final question for you. What was your best day at work? Whether that's at Beach Grove or with the National Trust, what was your best day at work? Well, that's very much feels like when somebody says, what's your favourite movie? I'm one of these people that just don't have a favourite movie. I've got a few and it depends what mood I'm in. So I'd have to say if I was to cherry pick a few key moments, the first one would probably be at Pimedon Garden. I was basically project managed, a big restoration project which was designed by Chris Beerchoff who's a Chelsea gold medal winner so it was quite a prestigious project really to have Chris Beerchoff design it and it was very much a case of I got here's your budget here's the plans on you go with it so slightly daunted at first but you know we just followed the process followed all the steps the things I learned through my RHS education you know scaling off the plans and double checking the measurements and then starting the groundworks and so on. So one of the best days was probably the launch party because it was a culmination really of a year and a half to two years worth of hard graft and it was very much just using the team. We didn't have any special additional help apart from we had a surveyor for two days and we had blacksmiths on site for two days to spot weld some of the paths because it was it was metal, you know, arching metal paths which were 
which were MIG welded in place. Other than that, we did everything ourselves. All the digger work, all the turning over, we got the plants in, all the laying out, everything. So it was it was a fantastic project and very grateful to be part of it. So you're basically saying your best day to work was a party. Absolutely. I got to drink cider and champagne on work time, so it was great. Yeah. That's a lot to like. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer. My thanks to Scott Smith, head gardener and one of the presenters on Beach Grove Garden. If you'd like to see Scott at work, you can find the programme on BBC Scotland, BBC iPlayer or their website, beachgrove.co.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.